I'm Heather. I'm Johnny. I'm Caleb. And I'm Steve. This is your movie hour. Welcome to Your Movie Hour. It's a podcast where we've created space to talk about film, television, and life. Today, Spider-Man. So, introducing those who are part of the conversation, we'll do name, what we do, and something about us that most people don't know. I will start. I'm Johnny. I am a public speaker, and most people don't know that I have substantial nunchuck skills. Uh, I'm Heather. I am a filmmaker and content creator. Uh, most people don't know. I was in like a singing group when I was a kid and we like made a CD and we like toured around the area and stuff. It's called Girls Chorus. And is still shown on 3ABN from time to time. Wow. Caleb. Uh, my name is Caleb Isley. I am a content developer and most people don't know that in my paternal line, since we immigrated to this country, uh, none of the men have died of natural causes. What? Wow. Yeah, we've got suicide, crushed by machinery, uh, murder. Um, yeah, and then my dad and I are still alive in that line. That's good. That part is good. No, it's it's awful. <laughs> that you guys are still alive? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing with you. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm Steve Moore. I am a bit of a jack of all trades. Uh, currently, I teach middle school and high school, um, English, social studies, and whatever else they need me to teach at the time. Um, and something that most people don't know about me is that I'm a thermophobe. Uh, I'm afraid of hot things, mm. uh, which has kept me from a great dream of mine, which is to learn how to weld. So. <laughs> Um, I did not know know. that about you. I also did not know that. That's the point now, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know it existed. Now I can't use that in the next time that this question comes up. Because everyone will know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, literally everyone will know. (laughs) Because we know that everyone listens to to this podcast. Okay. All right, so let's start talking about this movie, Spider-Man Far From Home. First thing we want to do is we're going to refresh our memories. The storyline on IMDb. Our friendly neighborhood superhero decides to join his best friends Ned, MJ, and the rest of the gang on a European vacation. However, Peter's plan to leave superheroics behind for a few weeks is quickly scrapped when he begrudgingly agrees to help Nick Fury uncover the mystery of several elemental creature attacks creating havoc across the continent. Heather, who are the cast and characters in Spider-Man Far From Home? Okay, so uh, main people is uh, Peter Parker, also known as Spider-Man, played by Tom Holland. Uh, We've got Nick Fury, Samuel L. Jackson plays him. Quentin Beck slash Mysterio, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, excellently, I might add. Uh, May, Aunt May, is played by Marissa Tomei. Happy Hogan, played by Jon Favreau, who actually was the director for the first Iron Man movie. Uh, MJ is played by Zendaya. Ned Leeds is played by Jacob Batalon. And Flash Thompson is played by Tony Revolori. And of course, we can't forget about Betty, Ned's girlfriend slash ex-girlfriend. Uh, played by Angory Rice. Angory? We'll know your name, Angory. You're going to be famous. You're going to have a career on NPR. <laughs> Perfect name for that. Perfect name for NPR. Okay. Okay. So you watched the movie a little while ago. The first 10 minutes after you saw it, how did you feel about Spider-Man Far From Home? I'll start. I came out just like elated. I felt so good after watching Spider-Man Far From Home. It was like reliving high school. And it felt yeah. it felt so true to me that I, I it just filled me with with joy, not because high school was all joy, but, you know, like it just it felt so true to kind of the high school experience, especially the like good parts like, oh, going on trips, all the like silly. Uh, oh, yeah, we're dating now. We sat next to each other on a flight and oh, we broke up three days later and 
it's just kind of the fun stuff shooting down attack drones things like that yeah classic I think high school standard high school i think if marvel could design a fan that was my experience where like if i could i would show up with a spider-man mask big like number one finger <laughs> like spider-man shirt you know um uh, obviously like i went into this as somebody who loves tom holland as spider-man so yes. the first 10 minutes i was just like yes yes you know same same when i watched the trailer um I think especially because I feel like Tom Holland is my Spider-Man. Mm. I've watched all of them, probably owned all of the movies up to this point, but I've never really like liked Spider-Man in film as much as I liked Spider-Man in the comics. Mm. And so I like MCU Spider-Man a lot. Yeah. So first 10 minutes of the movie, I was just like so excited to be there. I think the the way that they did this and the way they tied it in kind of with the MCU and everything really well where they're constantly referencing like they're rewarding you for watching all the other movies. Yes. You know, I just felt like the you payoffs. Know, yeah. yeah. I felt fulfilled. I'm, I'm very like uh, conscious of, of casting, like you were saying. Uh, and I was really unhappy with uh, Tobey Maguire's cast as Spider-Man, like as far as an actor being put as Spider-Man. Sure. Um, I mean, he, he just, emanates like middle-aged adult even though he was much younger than that he's an old soul he was yeah he's an old soul and spider-man is not an old soul he is like immature um which is why he constantly rants and raves in the comics and is always like has a snide remark for everything he's if he is an okay so like in uh in the the multiverse he is an old person but still acts like a kid. That's true. <laughs> that's like that's that <laughs> yeah. is Spider Man. And yeah. you're talking um, about the Into the Spider Verse. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. And that is Spider Man. And so I agree with you. Tom Holland completely, completely nails it. But something that from the Sam Raimi movies that was absolutely nailed that I was like that sent me out of the theater on top of the world was J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson yes. because it's like. <laughs> If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yes. In such like a clear fashion. It's like, yeah. Yeah, of course he would be the absolute. Because I, I, the whole time I was like, man, when they introduced J. Jonah, I hope that like, who's it's it gonna someone be? as good yeah. as, as J.K. Simmons. The fact that it was J.K. Yes. Simmons is like, <laughs> yes. Excellent move. You know, I, was just like, I was like completely on top of the world about it. Yeah, that, I mean, I loved that moment. And it's kind of funny that they made him like his personality fits with this uh era that we have today where people have their like youtube shows where they rant about things going on in the world and stuff and that's right. exactly <laughs> what the daily bugle is like it's yeah. dailybugle.net <laughs> so yeah. like it just it felt so true to the times of now while also being like true to that character and that world um so yeah i really love that i um i don't remember how i felt coming out of the movie the first time i saw it twice um but i imagine it was very similar to how i felt the second time which was last night and it is just a really great movie i am so amazed at how marvel continues to elevate like my expectations are always elevated and then they deliver constantly um and I wonder kind of how long that's going to keep. <laughs> but uh, it was just a great movie. Great script. Great casting. Um, I agree. Tom Holland is excellent as Spider-Man. I grew up with Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. So I never I'm like sorry. knew otherwise. <laughs> and I've always been a Tobey Maguire fan because of it. But Tom Holland to me is Spider-Man as far as live action Spider-Man. So, Caleb. You're up first. What was your what was a big idea that jumped out at you? Yeah, the the big idea for me, you can actually trace this back to the the original trailers and everything was just the fallout after Iron Man's death. And and not so spe- so much for like the whole world, but for Peter himself. Uh this mm-hmm. is somebody who has seen like a very specific side of Iron Man, right? He's he wasn't there during all of his like, you know, really during his biggest sins mm-hmm. um he hasn't seen like a full picture i don't think of tony stark he gets this supercharged 
like best parts of him and you see tony like set actually be more unselfish than ever around peter mm-hmm. you see him minus, minus the hug sure where he's like we're not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> but even even the stage of life that he's in he doesn't see him in the arms dealer face he doesn't see him in the playboy face he sees him in a committed relationship mm-hmm. he mm. sees him as an older leader of superheroes i mean he's just like this idealized version of himself where like when when you're seeing i mean these shrines to iron man you're seeing like you know all the whole world weeping for his loss all i feel like in in peter's perspective like they're just reinforcing this uh unachievable goal mm. of of who to be um and i really i i think that i I hyper focused on this like personal emotional experience of Peter during the movie because, you know, I was thinking about like, okay, he's left with all of these problems that weren't solved. He's left with like these powers and and this new lifestyle that he didn't really get to learn that much about. Mm-hmm. Um, and he now he's been introduced enough where he's got the weight of it, but he doesn't have the person that he trusts to answer questions for him anymore. Yeah, and, you see, you see Spider-Man in the press conference, you know, talking to people <laughs> after the, he has, he has no candor. Yeah. I don't know. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he had no real training leading up to where he could mm. lead or leading up to when he knows how to utilize all these things that, that Tony has given him, including responsibility. Like Tony went through a transformation through many years and many movies to get to the point where he was Tony uh, in Endgame. And then here, Tony's gone, and then now Spider-Man has to like live up to this, and not everyone knows he's a kid, but we do. And he just hasn't been able to go through the, the kind of character building yet that uh, is required of someone who is like living up to this idea of Iron Man and the Avengers. And he Tony really leaves peter with expectations that he could have never lived up to himself right like he he expects certain things from peter he expects him to listen when he says things he expects him to you know be safe or you know be a certain way in a way that tony never was Mm -hmm. especially at at peter's age probably you know (laughs) and and i mean he was a total brat oh yeah at that age because we see tony you know when he's 16 in some other movie like there's like a flashback or whatever. Well, ironically, it's not a flashback. It is a uh, yeah. The it is a simulation projection. done by yeah. uh, done by Mysterio himself. Yeah, it sends you back. Yeah, <laughs> a little cyclical tie in there. <laughs> but what you were saying just now, Caleb, um, Happy Hogan, who was you know Iron Man's kind of right hand man, and now supports Peter. You know, he has this line in the movie where he says. No one could live up to Tony, hmm. not even Tony. Exactly. Yeah. This all, like, as as we think about like that, the absence of of mentorship, like, I feel like that's a super relatable experience, you know. And mentors who who have they they really stand before us as as kind of demigods, hmm. you know, who who now we can't live up to, you know. And so, like, um, I think about um, in my own. <laughs> Uh, role as a as a pastor mm-hmm. you know the the youth pastors that I had you know they were 23 24 you know just out of undergrad but they walked on water mm-hmm. you know and how can I how can I live up to that um, and feeling the absence of those mentors um, and then I know too that I have as a pastor I've put people in situations of leadership without maybe adequately mentoring them mm-hmm. Uh, and so I kind of see it from from both angles. Well, and Tony's a particularly terrible mentor. <laughs> like, I mean, he's he's really really bad at it. You see this in Homecoming, yeah. like how bad he is at mentoring. Distant, doesn't communicate with it, with Peter. Doesn't trust him with the information that he needs to have in order to make his decisions on the ground. Um, everything a mentor should never never do. If if you're like that, if you want to be distant and don't tell people, don't don't seek out mentorship <laughs> positions like that's that's not the way to do it that's not the way to do it you gotta like communicate you gotta be honest and open and 
that's not what Tony was with Peter at all. So and maybe Peter would have been better prepared, you know, in this movie or even yeah, in or Infinity in War and Endgame <laughs> if Tony had actually done maybe what he should have mentoring. Yeah. But but, but at the same time I feel like Tony did it um kind of with a with a good heart. He didn't oh, yeah, want to he didn't want to throw um Peter into um I think that I think that Tony felt that he was given too much, yeah. too young, too much responsibility, too much, you know, and and so he was he was protecting Peter throughout. But then, you know, in Civil War, in you know all of these, then Peter ends up getting sucked in just by, you know, it just has to happen, you know, and and Tony, you know, mourns that, but is like, well, you got to do what you got to do. Like, eh, kids in space, you know, <laughs> shucks, yeah. So. Steve. Yeah. This kind of like rolls into the idea of role expectations and um, something I was thinking about in terms of that big reveal that happened in the post credit scene is Tony has the ability to take off his mask really easily. Why? Because he is... I mean, the closest thing that we can imagine, he is Elon Musk. He is like, he is a Hollywood superstar. He has like, I mean, he literally has a mansion on the side of a hilltop in California on the beach. Yeah. Like, like he feels comfortable calling out a dude to come and put a hit on him. And then like it happens and he's able to bounce back from it. Peter's vulnerable. He yeah. is not in that role at all. Mm. Never was. He is not. Tony is an elite in in the proper sense of the word. Yeah. He is an, an elite who is who is in a position of power and distance from the masses. Um, and Peter is. Peter is. He's not. like from Brooklyn or he whatever. He's from Brooklyn. He is. He lives in an apartment. Queens. He He's lives in Queens. Queens. Yeah, sorry. In a in a in an apartment in Queens to a single parent like or a single caretaker, essential parent. Yeah. I mean, this you cannot f- imagine like a more different type of person than Tony Stark. Even like his skill set is completely different. Yeah. Like Peter is about like Tony is a builder. Peter is a tinkerer mm. like they're they're different they're completely like different peter's all about like in the moment problem solving that kinds of that kind of thing um he doesn't fly he swings right <laughs> which means he's limited in his area that he can cover yes. where he can go and much he, more limited much more limited than tony was yeah. and people are throwing him this whole line about are you the next iron obviously you're not the next iron man <laughs> like you cannot fly to afghanistan on a whim yeah like that is not you it's unfair of people to expect him to be that right and so he's dealing with like unfair expectations and and an unfairly assigned role based on other people's desperation yes based on other people's desperation not a desperation he has to fill a role but based on like we need this hey you're a guy that that you know was mentored by tony you're the next person for this and it's like like, are there any neighborhood questions exactly (laughs) that's that's the line and i'm kind of like this is this is so not the way to choose leadership. Yeah. Like, is so bad <laughs> a way. I, and I've seen it used in the real world as a way to choose leaders. That's what it's I like. That's what I loved about it is that it's it wasn't fair, but it was realistic. Yeah. You know, there there are so many people that it's just well, like it sets up a good conflict. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good story arc because it's like you know stuff's gonna go wrong. <laughs> yeah. Caleb, were you going to unpack that more? Yeah, I or? just I just think that, you know, most people don't get the chance to have it set up in the right way, if that makes sense. Like, I think that there are a lot of people who were thrown into things and didn't know what they were doing. There mm-hmm. are people who they were literally the only person there to answer the question and to answer it badly. Yeah. You know, but, mm-hmm. but there was no one else. So I think I think a lot of just things like that in the movie... 
I was like, all right, thank you. You know, this isn't just some idealized thing. This is actually just like life, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I was reflecting on, you know, growth that I've had in my life over the years in adulthood and taking on more responsibility and and things like that. And I never really felt prepared. And there's always part of me that's like, I don't want to do this. I just want to go to Venice with my class, you know, like that kind of thing. I just want to be a kid. I don't want to have to face the fact that I am having to take on this responsibility. I don't feel equipped for it. I don't have the support I need. Um, That was super, super relatable. Can we just talk about uh, the elephant in the room and that uh, this is the second movie in which Spider-Man has to deal with Tony's uh, baggage. Huh. Like, <laughs> like, like the, both these villains, all these vo- villains are Tony mad at people. <laughs> like, that's totally true. I like, hadn't thought of that. It's like, it's like, and and it's it's a once again a side of Tony that Peter didn't know about. Yes, hmm. you know, and honestly, like, never in Homecoming, he never learns the motivation. Mm-hmm. Of the villain. Well, does he learn the motivation in this one? He knows that Quentin is no. faking it. He never does. But he doesn't, he doesn't know why, at least on screen. Know, he doesn't know any of this about Tony. So, I mean, it's like, so he's having to do, huh. clean up this me- these messes without knowing anything about, yeah. like, you know. And then he's continuing maybe, to clean maybe, up similar messes without maybe, uh, knowing. Maybe Tony should left should have left him a detailed uh, history of all <laughs> Here of are his, my enemies <laughs> of all of his uh, people he treated like crap. Maybe he should have done that instead of leave, leaving him like cool sunglasses. Uh, I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> like do the emotional work, Tony. Not just not the just the technical, technical work. work. <laughs> In fact, the technical work. You've done enough of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for my theme, his insecurity, you know, Spider-Man coming into his hero expectations and being insecure to do that. Um, but then also his uh, personal insecurity. Yes. Like, you with know, friends, with, with friends, with, I mean, particularly with MJ, yeah. you know, just to like, that's the, that's the big one. He's fine with Ned, you know, he's. <laughs> Yeah, but he doesn't really have friends beyond Ned. Like, Brad is kind of ruining his life, and Flash is a big jerk (laughs) to him. There's a lot of insecurity there. He's Peter is not popular. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this goes back to your initial point about the actor of Tom Holland and how he portrays Peter is insecure. I mean, through everything he is completely, completely insecure. He's an insecure person who's wanting to help out, but completely like owns that insecurity. And that's like a core, that's a core piece of who Spider-Man is Mm. in the comics. He is constantly fighting with himself about, am I good enough? Am I not good enough? Mm. Am I doing like, like, so it's like, that's, I think that's what did it for me. I think yeah. this is why Tom Holland is my Spider-Man because they've tried to pay attention to different elements of the comics in making the movies. And in the original movies, like they were tied to like the big villains, right? They needed mm-hmm. Venom in there. They needed Dr. Octopus. They needed, you know, Green Goblin. But those aren't the things that made me love Spider-Man. His no. villains actually kind of suck, you know, yeah. but but his character, like his heart. Yeah, to, to that point, of him being such a insecure person. I was like paying attention to the runtime the last time I watched this film. Mysterio shows up at 15 minutes. You have 15 minutes of just high school movie. Yeah. No Spider-Man, no nothing. Yeah. Just high I mean, school it's, movie. It starts out with a little teaser with yeah. Mysterio, but then other than that, all of the plot points are pretty much about high school. So it's like 15 minutes of that before we even meet Mysterio face to face, that works really well towards establishing the social aspects of Spider-Man, which are the aspects of Spider-Man that count. In the other Spider-Man movies, it's more of like a teen soap, teen drama type stuff. These movies, Homecoming and Far From Home, 
they just feel so real they feel like a teen party movie yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's <laughs> which is what which is what high school feels like yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, you have you have you have rivalries you know with people people who like the same girl that you like the same boy that you like the same right. you know whatever you have um but it's you get accused of murdering your best friend's dad <laughs> yeah i yeah. i'd loved that they made this so close to now like this is the mm. first time i felt like wow they made this today yeah. You know, like the technology they're using, the the language that they're using and everything, like they did their homework, even who's in the classroom and and what it looks like. I'm not saying every school maybe looks like this, but they are utilizing the best of 2019 or the best mm-hmm. of 2018, you know. And so it feels like I'm watching a movie made for my world currently. Yes. Mm-hmm. When I watched the other Spider-Man movies, like the previous ones, it felt like it was removed from Mm -hmm. my reality like kind of like how batman is in gotham Mm -hmm. it felt like spider-man was like in gotham or whatever but these really feel like you said rooted in today and rooted in this reality um and i think that's something very magical about the movie and actually helps us really relate to peter and the other characters a lot better and and i think i think even in a way that most mcu films don't because mm-hmm. it is always, like you said, Steve, like 15 minutes before action starts happening, like usually there's action fast. There's, you know, and yeah. so it's all like superhero battles and space battles and, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, things like that. And it's like, it's just beyond us. But this is, this is so relatable. Um, and also it's, it's interesting to hear, you know, both of you, you know, Steve and Caleb, especially who, um, you know, have a little bit more history and a little bit more of a deep dive into the person of, of Spider-Man mm. and kind of speaking to like, it's not the villains. It's not, it's not that he's a web slinger. It's that he's, you know, snarky and insecure. Like that's what we love about Spider-Man. And he's the friendly neighborhood. He's the friendly Spider-Man. neighborhood Spider-Man. Yeah. And, and I guess that, um, which is really interesting that they took him out of New York yeah. for this film. I've I've never seen that really done. I mean, you've seen him taken halfway across the universe in like in the Secret Wars or whatever. Yeah. But but the idea of being in an urban setting that's not New York was very fascinating. Um, because well, t- to kind of I mean not not counter your point, but kind of I want to make note that like when those Spider-Man movies came out, it was post nine eleven. Like yeah. post nine eleven. Yeah. It's like. So post nine eleven that the first trailer to the first Tobey Maguire Spider Man was a web in between the twin towers that caught a helicopter. Yeah, they had to go back and cut that scene out. They had to they had to kill that because because of what happened. So you have I think that those movies were relevant to their time in a very powerful way in that you had these scenes of like new yorkers yelling you know yeah you won't mess with one of us you mess with us all you know i mean that mm-hmm. was like the cry of the country and maybe that's um, part of the reason why it was like a little bit more dramatic too yeah and yeah. and then there's like the scene where he like stops the train with with the you know like he grabs onto the walls and stops the train and then like the new yorkers are the ones that are like you know, hauling his unconscious body back through the train or whatever. And it's like, you know, those moments are meant to evoke a togetherness in the face of nine 11. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't, if you watch them today, if a, if somebody who didn't go through and remember like nine 11 in, in real, real detail, like I was, I was at, you know, 21, you know, so it's like it's your first kind of like big event that happens as an adult. Yeah. They they feel that feels very foreign. What's weird for me is like seeing him removed from from that New Yorky mm-hmm. kind of like, hey, you know, like, yeah. no, now we're in Venice and he's swinging from a bell tower. It's <laughs> Oh, which is sorry, like a little side note. Anybody get like Venom vibes? from that bell tower when he's in the bell tower tower. i'm like he's like on a bell tower i'm like i'm like oh the bell tower venom (laughs) he's like this is how you get rid of the suit man um but yeah but anyway that was like so i just oh go for it heather um you know we're talking about how this 
film has been kind of updated like it's updated spider-man from you know a different generation like we're much more globally connected today than Mm -hmm. we were when the first spider-man movies came out in when was the first one like 2001 2000 yeah it must have been 2001 because it was right around right after 9-11 or 2002 everything is so much more globally connected and i think that's really reflected in this movie in particular and even in homecoming they go to like washington dc so they're going a little bit outside there's an islamic girl in their class there's yeah like, it's like, like there's more diversity like yeah. we're more connected to the world yeah um so much so that we think there might be someone from the multiverse who has you know it's like we're we're expanding the world and we're expanding um our perspective on it yeah, yeah. it's interesting so insecurity um is big and insecurity, I think, is something that we all struggle with um, at times anyway, at least at least most people, most personality types. I imagine there are some personality types that um, maybe maybe never do. Um, but Tony then some Stark. That, some that we, but then he did too. I mean, he oh, struggled yeah. with all sorts that's of insecurity. What, that's why I love um, his character is but, his insecurity. It's kind of an but on but from the outside yeah it's yeah. an overcompensation the only reason i like tony honestly is pepper <laughs> like, <laughs> like like she's she's awesome i mean because he's so insecure and she's so good at at both putting it in check but also like caretaking for him like he's like a tormented person he's kind mm-hmm. of insane and his insecurity drives him mad in many ways and she mm, is like true. she is his connection back to reality in so many ways my my final thought on this on insecurity um and then we can jump to heather uh and this thought actually springboards off of something heather said earlier which is that like insecurity what it is that helps spider-man that helps peter overcome that insecurity is that conversation with happy like he's down He's crushed. He's destroyed. He can't trust anyone. He's on the plane. He's sitting there. He doesn't know what to do. And then Happy says, um, no one can live up to Tony. You know, Tony couldn't live up to Tony. And like, you don't have to, but like Tony trusted you. You were the one thing that um, Tony didn't question. The one thing he wasn't insecure about was was choosing you. And I think that... Um, you know, I, I feel like there are like three children's stories in church. There's like the prayer miracle story and there's the obey your parents story. And then there's the you're a unique snowflake story. Um, and so as trite as this is in many ways, it is the reality that like you are a unique snowflake. And I know it's that. Okay. Adventures in Odyssey said so. Yes. James Dobson. Yes. So like, like. Um, and obviously the term snowflake has been used in a derogatory way and in, you know, our society in some ways, but, but it is, uh, it is like this, like you are unique and you can be, you can be your kind of superhero. You can do this. Like, so what is it, what is it to be you? What is it to be unique? And, And he's empowered to step out of the role expectations, to step out of the shadow of his mentor, Yeah to be something else and that enlivens him. And then you see him actually mimicking and that whole scene, like he's making the suit and happy smiles at him. And, and he's like, what, you know, and the reason why happy smiles is because he sees Tony in him, but it's only when he's freed from the expectation Mm. that he can live up to, you know, I mean, he's doing the same kind of gestures, the same, like, yeah. Yeah. And even, you know, later on in the battle when he has this problem where he needs to get up to the tower, top of the tower bridge, and there's all the drones, and if he, like, jumps up there, then he'll get shot. He has to, like, his web solve a problem. Broken. Yeah, his, his webs are broken. He has this problem, and he fixes it in the same way Tony would, by using pieces around him to build some kind of thing that gets him to his goal. Okay, Heather, you, your big idea. Yeah, so um, as I was watching this the second time, something that really, really stood out to me is how much of a gaslighter Quentin is. Mm. He's very good at it. He's very good at manipulation. Um, 
and I do. I have not read any of the comics. I had heard the name Mysterio, but I didn't know anything about him. So for some of you, like maybe Caleb and Steve, who had some background, you were like, oh, that's Mysterio. Like, he has to be the bad guy. I don't know. Did you guys suspect, like, what was your opinion of Quentin when you first saw him? So when, when Marvel decided to introduce the whole multiverse theme, I actually did go into this unsure how they were going to go about Mysterious character. Where I was like, you know, they actually could go a direction where this guy is a good guy. Potentially, they could use an alternate universe Mysterio. Uh, And they've they've switched up enough where I'm like, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to decide before I watch the movie. Like, I don't know. They haven't told me because after Into the Spider-Verse, it's like that is totally possible. Yes. Yeah. Um, But. I wasn't I wasn't really surprised to find out he was a villain. I was just um I was interested in how they did it, for sure. Like they they've gone their own direction with a lot of this and I think they should, you know. So yeah. so it was still a surprise for me, but I I did go into it knowing, okay, this is one of the main villains of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. This is based on the Mysterio character, that kind of thing. He's an illusionist. I mean, this kind of stuff. So it was more like, ah, there it is. Okay, there it is. Yeah. What about you, Steve? Did you? Yeah, that's exactly my yeah. exactly my uh, my experiences. I was midway through the movie. I was a little unsure. I was like, I was like, I was like, man, like he wants to give up this thing to this other guy who has it going on, and and that's good for him. <laughs> like, like yeah. i mean like uh you know i mean obviously you don't want to be that gullible but at the same time when you're assigned a role that you know is you're not right for like mm, a, you do a have good to a good thing to do i would have maybe done that a little bit more with more research um you know not yeah. just accepting he's not skeptical enough but i i don't i can't fault his initial thing of like of like hey this is a role that is not my role i would i would if i could sit down and talk with peter parker at the end of the movie it's like i would tell him like you're not iron man dude like like don't try to be go do do you yeah you know like you do you really like you really are well. a kid just go on your trip you're you are a kid and you don't have like rocket blasters and you're not yeah. gonna fly to afghanistan once again yeah. you know that's not your thing so yeah yeah so for me i mean i was totally sold i thought quentin was this great new hero and he just seemed like a really uh caring caring person he cared about peter uh or he seemed to he's faking it but he cared about peter in a way that not even Tony had done, you know, like he was this father figure in the short amount of time that Quentin and Peter interacted. He immediately showed he could be trusted, that he understood Peter, Mm -hmm. uh, that he was on his team. He was like, oh yeah, I don't blame you. Go hang out with your friends or whatever, you know? Um, And then in the scene where Peter wants to give Mysterio the glasses, he's like, oh, no, no, no. And it's just like so believable. And that is why this idea of manipulation and gaslighting kind of um, came out to me because we live in a world with a lot of people who are narcissists. And I mean that in like the technical sense, not like, I mean, we're all selfish sometimes, but there are people who are narcissists and they have certain personality characteristics. And, uh, you know, I've done a lot of talking to people who have been in abusive relationships. I was in a relationship with someone who was manipulative in my past. And you hear stories about this, particularly when you hear um, stories from women, not that men can't be in abusive relationships either. But uh, I saw these qualities in Quentin in hindsight, you know, watching it the second time through. He was so masterful at manipulating and gaslighting and then he he frames things you know he's like oh it's too bad that peter has to die now that's on your hands the guy who was in charge of the drones because he didn't get the projector piece back like he shifted the blame Mm. onto this other person and i think 
like as I was watching this, um, I was just amazed. Like I, I don't think I've seen Jake Gyllenhaal really act in anything surprisingly, but he did such a great job because he was so believable every second of this movie. Whatever Mysterio was doing, whether he was playing us and playing Peter and playing everyone in the movie and like trying to be the good guy. I mean, I believed it a hundred percent. I believed it a thousand percent, you know, with that, with that performance. And that is what good manipulators, that's what good narcissists do. They, they have this way of acting like they're supporting you and they're on your side, uh, while also manipulating Mm. you into believing that you can't take it on. And it it was so, like, Peter was such an easy target, too. Like, you know, all all he had to really do was just claim the good things that Peter wanted or, you know, like, kind of, it was easy to see because Peter is an honest person showing his emotions, like, very clearly. It's easy to see what he wanted, right? It was easy to see, like, what was driving him, what he was afraid of, that kind of thing. And for someone who has done this already with the p- members of his team, assumedly, yeah. like has developed this kind of habit or problem or skill, whatever you want to call it, of yeah. manipulation, you know, it's not like it took a lot no. for, for Peter to just give up everything he wanted to already. Well, and Mysterio has this line when he and Peter are kind of having that showdown in the fake berlin headquarters where he says it's easy to fool people when they're already fooling themselves Mm. and you see this when he's um obviously with peter but even like you said with his team you know after we find out that mysterio is actually bad and he's doing all the toasts in the bar he's toasting to all his team members you know to you you did these great things this is how tony hurt you and now we're getting him back etc and then throughout the course of the rest of the movie, he turns on these people and kind of becomes like this angry authoritarian, you know, narcissist. And in this bar scene, it's like, we're all on the same team. We're all doing this together. We're getting essentially justice for how we were treated. But then he threatens the guy who's running the drones and everyone, he essentially points the drones at them like to shoot them like this mm. is a tyrant he's not really on their team another one that that really sticks out is uh what's her name janice, janice. yeah so, ironing the yeah. or, or steaming the steaming the cape <laughs> like she's she's the one that found out about the glasses right so like she is a very integral part of this and then he's like steam my cape <laughs> like he does not care about these people but I could he... be shaking hands with the queen in 2 hours. Yeah. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, that performance is so good. Um like he is not friends with these people but he has convinced them that mm. if they join forces that they are on equal footing with him. We're all going to win. But he wouldn't hesitate to snap his fingers and kill all of them. Um and he rules with with terror he rules with with fear at first he he uh you know apparently is saying like we're doing this as a team this is like you know yeah not democracy but (laughs) like we're doing this as a team and he exudes collaboration he exudes collaboration and then he goes to but i'll kill you if i want to (laughs) you know and that's just very masterful manipulation and i think in this day and age with media and politics that's going on right now that is an idea that many people feel is that there are illusions, there is manipulation going on. Um, and that in the second viewing really st- stood out to me. So we, we want to tie in, you know, what does this look like for our lives? So in one sentence or two, um, how do you want to think or live differently because of Spider-Man Far From Home, um, and even this conversation itself, as we've talked about this, as we've unpacked these big ideas, one or two sentences, how do you want to live or think differently? Yeah, I think balancing balancing skepticism with uh, a level of... Faith. Yeah, I mean, skepticism with a, with a level of optimism... Mm-hmm is is kind of like a key thing you don't want to trust everyone 
in this kind of happy-go-lucky way that Peter trusts Quentin Beck. But at the same time, you don't want to become cynical. You don't want to lose that. Totally. It's just like, how can you be vulnerable without making yourself vulnerable, (laughs) right? Like, foolishly vulnerable. Like, how can you expose yourself in such a way like can you shake someone's hand while still wearing your armor so they can't stab you right but you are shaking their hand and to some degree there is a absolute one-to-one ratio of giving up on each of the sides but i think peter does not does not play the middle of that spectrum well he very much is gullible and is very much not uh not critical enough and that's something that kind of in my life I'm trying to yeah. to work on right now is is my natural inclination is very much to trust um, trust people who are in positions of above me or whatever. It's like it's like I need to not be afraid to ask real questions about them. They're people. Yeah. They have their own flaws and their own blind spots. I don't need to assume that those flaws or blind spots are intentional in order for them to be problematic so being able to have honest conversations with people that's my takeaway yeah balance i like that yeah i want to live differently in how i mentor and pass on expectations to people kind of combining those two big ideas uh, again, in a in a leader role in a in a church, there's always a lot to do. There's always a lot of reasons for why maybe you don't mentor someone enough, legitimate reasons. But I think being a a mentor who is present and makes expectations clear and helps people live up to those expectations, equips people to do that, is um, that's something I'm going to do more. One thing that that really stood out, and we talked about this, was Peter's insecurity and his insecurity about the responsibility that had been placed on him. The fact that, yeah, he could not be Tony, but he could be Peter, and he could figure out how to solve problems in his own Peter way. And I think, you know, we live in a culture right now that is very comparison-oriented, so it's very easy for us to look at each other and be like, well, I'm, I'm not doing... That, that cool thing that they're doing or I'm not, you know, buying a house yet or having kids yet or I'm single or, uh, you know, whatever. I'm not where I want to be in my career. Um, and it's easy to be very insecure about that. But I really need to focus on what I can do and see the, the good in that instead of comparing myself to others and being insecure about it and it's not that we can escape insecurity we just have to kind of rise above it and continue anyway i think peter parker is probably the only um superhero in the mcu that i look at and continuously think i want to be like that Mm -hmm. um i think it's so powerful that that his power and his um what makes him matter it's not that he's strong, even though he is. It's not that and he's... sticky. Yeah. I kind of forget that he's strong. Exactly. Because he's like this little kid. And then they'll he's... mention like super strength. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, super if you, strength. If you mention like, I mean, the super strength side of it, he's really strong in the MCU. Yeah. yeah he is OP like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, and he's one of the great scientific minds. Yep. You know, that, that isn't brought up in, in the MCU. But these are not the things that I care about in his character. Um, I care about the genuine authenticity and goodness that, that are in him. And, um, the reason that he matters even in the film to his friends and things like that, and the people around him, it's not because he's impressed them with, um, some kind of superhuman feat. It's not because he has a position of power. Uh, it's just who he is. Like they know who he is and they know, what he's about and and what he thinks of they don't always know what he thinks of them like i don't think mj knows for sure his feelings or that kind of thing yeah. but she does know that he's safe <laughs> right like 
it's it's this idea of like an actual good person to believe in yes um and so he i wears think, his heart on the sleeve yeah all the time but but so does sometimes tony does too in a bad way right like <laughs> yeah. he were he shows his emotions and things when they're awful and like has a temper you know i think there's a uh, i think that i i would i would disagree in in that assessment of tony i think that he acts in that way to hide who hide his insecurities mm. like he like does not wear heart, he does not honestly. wear his <laughs> wear his heart on his sleeve the only time he's ever vulnerable is with pepper mm. and then with peter i guess but it's like, i guess the distinction that i'm trying to make is that for peter to show who he really is is a good thing yeah, yeah. you know yeah. what i mean like for other people to show who they really are sometimes you're gonna discover something awful yeah um and for him truly like for him to be transparent is for people to love him, yeah. you know? And, and so I think coming out of these movies and, and some, a reason that I like Spider-Man in the first place is that like, it's an ideal that I'm trying to live up to myself. Yeah. yeah. You know, I actually want to be this person, whether people know, you know what I'm doing or not. I want to be like that. Which is, and that's an, in, an interesting going to the end of the film. That's what he's trying to protect. Mm-hmm with this mask Mm -hmm. is because he knows in order to be vulnerable with his people here in order to in order to be vulnerable here he's got to like protect his interactions with people who he can't be vulnerable with yeah Mm -hmm. i.e everyone he doesn't know yeah you know his mask is a way to protect his ability to be intimate with his people around him in a way that Tony can't be intimate with the common man. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, and it, I mean the same thing, any celebrity can't be, I mean, I can't imagine what it's like to be a celebrity. You'd feel like a captive everywhere. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because everywhere you go, they know you and that's a problem. <laughs> this, this is a a beautiful transition to our lightning round final question and that is this we don't know you know when or at least i don't know when the next spider-man movie will be uh or how uh the spider-man character arc will develop and so that means that the mcu is open to our suggestions writers are waiting <laughs> for what's going to come Absolutely. out of your movie hour to know how they should take steps forward in the arc of Spider-Man. So he's been revealed now. Make your pitch. How, how do you think, how do you think Spider-Man unmasked now, Daily Bugle, you know, post credits, how do you think that should, uh, that should lead into his next arc as a character? Lord, Johnny, I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, gosh, that, that is, I can't even comprehend because it's like, once again, like everything that has made Spider-Man, Spider-Man is that intimacy. And I don't see how you maintain that. Um, he's not Tony, (laughs) man. Yeah. He's not Tony. He is down with the people. He is really down with the people. He's like got mobsters like squaring squaring the MCU um like this MCU with the Netflix MCU is like they the reason they don't feel like they happen in the same world is because the Spider-Man MCU is like Spider-Man like gushing over zendaya (laughs) right yeah whereas the netflix mcu is like if you make a mess up like someone's gonna come to your house and And like like, break your yeah break Mm -hmm. your fingers and put a drill through your foot yeah like and and it's like because that's because that's really realistic that's really the way that like crime places work so good luck yeah. MCU <laughs> trying to make like a non R rated movie as uh, <laughs> as Spider Man like 
I mean, there's, I only see this ending in torture and uh, bloodshed. <laughs> all right, all right. Plot points. Plot points. What do you guys think, Heather, Caleb? What do you think is the the future for the Spider-Man arc? Oh, I I had a pitch. I had a pitch oh, ready. Okay. Okay. Here we go. So I want our modern heroes. <laughs> okay. So. Iron Man, Captain America, these these are people who have existed for a long time. We have new Marvel heroes that are great and writing that's great that most people watching this these movies don't know exist. True. Okay, so I want Ironheart, right? The the girl that, that designs yeah. her own Iron Man suit, like on her own and gets like the Tony's Tony's techno ghost that we see in these glasses. Yeah. He actually grants after his death to this girl, right? You have all these other heroes that we could be utilizing that I would love to see that we've had a decade or so being taken up by the same people. Mm -hmm. Like I want Viv Vision. I want Ms. Marvel. Like they have such interesting and and cutting edge uh, writing for for their arcs right now that I feel like you could as we were talking about like spider-man is made for 2018 2019 like it exists now these heroes are designed to like even the things they care about um they they have disagreements with the avengers on like casualties and Mm -hmm. and things like that like they're challenging the generation before them and i would love to see that dynamic and i think it's the perfect space if you if you've killed off captain marvel i mean um Captain America, if you've killed off Tony Stark, like they have opened up a chance that they're not going to get again for a long time, depending on who they commit to. Yeah. And I would love to see Peter like meeting with these other inexperienced people and kind of looking at like, okay, we're learning these things about Tony. We're learning these things about, you know, what happened during World War Two or like all these different problems that have been created by superheroes and now we are not only saving Mm. people from crime we are also trying to undo all of the horrible things that superheroes have caused yeah through how they saving people from ourselves and i I think cleaning up some messes this is one of the only chances this is one of the only (laughs) chances to not let the mcu grow stale over time right because you can only have so many magic items you can have only have so many you know I became a superhero and that's the story, right? Like we've committed all this time and money to the MCU. Let's have it evolve. Mm-hmm. I second that pitch. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't really have any specifics. Obviously, I want I want to see uh, I want to see the stuff that Caleb wants to see. Uh, I have seen some of the movies that they've announced and I'm excited for some new um, superheroes, ones that I've never heard of before. Uh, I don't do a lot of comic book reading, but I had heard of most of the heroes in the first batch of Avengers. Um, I, of course, really think at the heart of Spider-Man is his relationships and like we talked about his vulnerability. So I'm um, wanting to see how his identity being revealed will uh affect you know him his high school experience Mm. his relationship with mj uh and aunt may and i know that that's kind of like standard fare but that's that's what i'm excited for i like the uh the emotional aspects of uh the marvel cinematic cinematic universe and i think for peter parker in particular um why are you grinning I'm just, I'm with you. <laughs> okay, Johnny Johnny uh, cast his vote as well. So Marvel people, Marvel execs, you heard what we want. <laughs> yes, yeah. So so I want, um, I want, we've done Homecoming, we've done Far From Home, and now I, I want him like home turf, like in his high school, having like a lot of heart-to-heart chats with Flash Thompson, you know, <laughs> To, oh my to goodness, figure I'm out, so excited. To figure out, you <laughs> know, that. flashes like, oh no, how do I deal with this now? <laughs> On the one hand, I hate Peter Parker. On the other hand, I love Spider-Man. What am I going to do? Yeah. That's that's what I that's what I want. That's what I want. It so, would be interesting to see like him trying to live life normally as a teenager and then some villain kind of infiltrating the high school as like a fellow student. Mm-hmm. 
oh. or something like that. Um, J.K. Simmons. That's all I can say. What I my <laughs> hopes for Spider-Man in the future are. J.K. Simmons. You know, it's really interesting as a final kind of thing. This this notion of team ups. Isn't it crazy that Disney and Sony team up to make these films? Yeah. That's that's almost as crazy as the team ups that happen in them. <laughs> that's very true. Or or as crazy as bringing it all home. Uh, the team up that's happening right now. <laughs> hey yo. So of course we could keep talking about all of the great uh, takeaways from Spider-Man: Far From Home, but we have to wrap this episode up. So we encourage you to check out our Facebook group. Um, just search for Your Movie Hour Community on Facebook, and you can continue the conversation, answer some of the questions that we asked, let us know your thoughts. Also, if you like this podcast, please subscribe and review wherever you are listening. It helps us find new listeners. And if you really want to support what we're doing, check out our Patreon. Just search for Your Movie Hour on Patreon.com. All right. That is Your Movie Hour. Keep web slinging, people. What? <laughs> I'm freezing. Are you? I'm freezing cold. Are you? Do you want a blanket? <laughs> no, fine. You could have like a cape. It'll keep like my a mind cape alive. <laughs> Can we start? <laughs> <laughs>